Let's start reading in verse 17. I'm going to read out loud for us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Our Father, now as we return to your word, I pray that, Father, you, you lead and direct our thoughts. That, Father, if there is any wicked way in us or if there's any way in which we are not in the center of your will, that you would correct our course today. That you would remind us that we really are new creations in Christ. That we have a ministry of reconciliation. That we have a message of reconciliation. And, Father, that we leave this place today with a greater understanding of what that means for us. Father, we thank you for the ways you've already worked in our service, and we look forward to the ways as you continue to work. This time is yours. We are yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. This past week, the, uh, the memory verse for us was from John chapter 14, verse 23, where we read, Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. So then from there, this past week in our experiencing God's study, as we work through it throughout the week, um, we, we learned what it looks like for us to obey God. As individuals, where we obey God. And you might have seen that, that uh, phrase, trust and obey, multiple times throughout the week. In fact, there was the song lyrics that, um, as you were probably reading through those like I did, you were singing the song in your head. Anybody else the same way as you're reading through it? Um, and I appreciated the opportunity I had to be challenged to better obey God. But now what we're going to do is we're going to transition our thoughts to where it's not just us as individuals obeying God. It's us as a church obeying God as a whole. And what I want to do this morning is go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 here and, and work through, talk through what it looks like for us to not only obey God in our individual lives, but also obey God as a church. So as we transition this thought that's where we're headed for the day-to-day. -day. Um, we're going to talk about an assignment. An assignment is a beautiful thing because it gives direction where direction is needed. Um, it gives guidance to confusion. It gives purpose to somebody who doesn't have any purpose. And so if you're at work and, and, um, and, and your boss gives you an assignment just like that, you've gone from a little bit of maybe obscurity to knowing what you're supposed to be doing. When the assignment comes, you have your marching orders. This is what I am to do. The sad thing is that a lot of times Christians find themselves with, with, no, um, with no direction and no guidance and no purpose. But I believe that there is no greater organization or entity in the entire world than the church. That the church is the greatest thing that has happened to this world besides Jesus. Right before Jesus ascended into heaven after his resurrection, he gave us direction. And he gave us guidance and clarity and purpose 
when he gave us that commandment to make disciples of all nations, that was his marching orders. That was his assignment. Go and make disciples. The New Testament is then full of passages that, that follow up that command to make disciples. And there's all kinds of other passages that give clarity about how we're supposed to do that. And this one in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is one of those. Now in your handout today, as you came in, you would have received a piece of paper that has on the back of it some blanks for you to fill in. And as we work through this, I'm going to give you some words to fill in as we, as we work through this sermon, okay? So take that handout out, and the first word that you're going to write down is responsibility. Know your responsibility. Responsibility is the word. And I'm going to take uh, verse 17 there, and I'm going to read it again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Who you were is gone. Who you have been in the past, your, your sin nature, all of that is, is gone. You are now a new creation in Christ. Now, some of you this Christmas, um, and by the way, Christmas is really not that far away. You realize it's already October the 7th? That means that we just have a few months till Christmas. Some people celebrate, some people are like, ah, no, 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 don't go there. This is passing too fast. I, for one, am ready for the hot weather to be gone. So cooler weather, please come. Please come quickly. Um, anyway, this Christmas, some of you are either going to receive or you're going to give some gifts that require some level of training, but, but they're going to require a greater sense of understanding about how they work. Um, you're going to be required to learn more about that gift than you knew before. So with that new comes a need for knowledge and understanding. With the new comes a greater responsibility. I'll give you an example of this idea of, of greater responsibility. When I was 12 years old, and I think about Christmas when I was 12 years old, I received a brand new hunting rifle, okay? It was a Winchester 3030 lever action hunting rifle, and it was amazing. It was beautiful. I absolutely loved it. Still do. It's in my safe today. One of my boys will probably get it one day in the future. But think about it. I'm 12 years old, and it's a hunting rifle. Don't you think that there's a little bit of learning that needs to come with that? How it operates? how to make sure I stay safe and everybody else around me stays safe. But I remember that talk that my dad had with me about the responsibility that comes with this new gift that I've just received. The, the responsibility that I had to show went from here before to here. And he believed I could do it. And I set out to prove him right. When we become a new creation... When we go and the, the old has passed away and behold, the new has come, there is a responsibility that comes with that that we cannot ignore. In fact, when that new responsibility comes, it comes with a whole set of expectations. That's part of what we're talking about today is this idea of what is this assignment bringing us? Well, one, it brings us responsibility. We've got to have responsibility. Number two, our appointment. Keep our appointment. That's your second word there. I want to read verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Paul says all of this is from God. All of this, the, the gospel, this, this new creation, who you now are, all of this is from God. The old is gone, the new has come. It is God who orchestrated all of this. It's God who made it all possible. All of it's from God. Every bit of it. 
There's nothing that I could do to buy it. There's nothing that I could do to earn it. It's a gift that God gives. All of this is from God. And here's what God has designed. You look at the big picture of all of this that God's talking about. It starts with the very beginning of creation when, when mankind is born without sin. And we know that God gave us a choice. As a human race, we could choose to obey God, follow his will always, or we could choose to disobey God. And we know the, the, the response that Adam and Eve had. They disobeyed God and thus brought sin into the world. So, so our relationship with God is, is cut off because of that disobedience and that sin. Well, all along, God is thinking about how do I make sure that I can have a relationship with my creation? And so he, he creates this plan to send his son to die the death that we deserve to die for our sin. Jesus didn't. He didn't deserve that. But he sent Jesus to die the death that I deserve to die and to rise from the dead and, and, and give me the life that I never deserve to have. And, and, and he gave us this new relationship with him. All right, all of this is from God. The old can be gone, the new comes, all of it is from God. And I think about this everlasting life that I have, and I think about the promise of eternity that God gives me. I think about the, the, the now I have spiritual life where before I had spiritual death. Um, I've got new purpose and a mission while I'm here on this earth. I'm, I'm this new creation that was incomplete and now that God has made complete. And I think about how God designed all of this. He planned it. And a part of his plan is that we have an appointment from God that we are to keep. That appointment is that we live as new creations. We don't go back to who we were. We live as new creations who are reconciled to God. But there's also an assignment that comes with this. And that's your third word, complete our assignment. Look at the last part of verse 18 into the beginning part of verse 19 with me, okay? It says that he gave us, God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, verse 19, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Now, there's some really important words that come up there in verse 18, okay? Um, I think about uh, the word reconciliation. That means to, to make things right with one another. When you reconcile with somebody else, it was wrong. There was some offense. Something, something somewhere was, was off. But when there's reconciliation, you come back together and you, you reconciled. You're made right with the other person. Okay, there's the word ministry there that's very important. Ministry is that action of reconciliation. There's the word gave. That means it's a gift. We don't have to buy it or we don't have to earn it. But what I believe to be one of the most important words here in all of verse 18 is this word. It's a two-letter word right in the middle that says, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Gave us, Christians, redeemed human beings, the ministry of reconciliation. Never in the history of the world has any human being been given the amount of responsibility for increasing the kingdom of God like God has given to believers in the church age. It is simply, it's never happened. In the Old Testament, you think about how God worked and how there's many people who believed in God, but very few had the authority to speak words of reconciliation on behalf of God. You had the, the prophets, the priests, 
where God revealed his word and his will to them, and they in turn shared it with other people. But the number of prophets and priests were small in comparison to everybody that believed in God and that followed him. It wasn't until Jesus ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost that all who believe in the name of Jesus became instruments of God to proclaim him to the nations. You see, before it's a very small, select group of people. Now it's anyone who believes in his name and surrenders to following him. They have the responsibility to be his proclaimers, to reconcile people who were far from God to God. They are the ones who have this ministry of reconciliation. Before, it's just the so-called spiritually elite that had the, spiritual, the, the ministry of, of reconciliation. But now, all believers are the spiritually elite with that assignment. That includes you. And it includes me. The moment you go from being an old, dead spiritually dead, that is, human being, to being a new creation who is alive in Christ, you now have the ministry of reconciliation. Paul finds this idea incredible, and you can hear it in the language that he uses. It's like he just burst out, and God gave us the ministry of reconciliation, he says. You and I as partakers and believers in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have an assignment. That assignment is the ministry of reconciliation. It's a task that we are to reconcile people to God. That's why we're here, church. That is why we are here. We're not here to come together and sing some songs and feel good about ourselves. We're not here just to write a check and say, I've done my duty. We're not here for a country club mindset where I come into this place and you give me what I want and then I'll just go out and live any way I want to. That is not at all why we are here. We are here because we have a ministry of reconciliation, of redeeming a lost world to a great God and showing this lost world where they can find life. That is our ministry. That is our job. That's our assignment. Now, I want, to, I want to see if I can guess some of the reasons that maybe you're not involved in, the, in that ministry of reconciliation. Um, maybe a reason is, and I'll put this up on the screen, maybe you think something like, you know what, I'm not a very good speaker. I get tongue-tied and I get sweaty when a topic of, of religion comes up. Well, can I say that you're not the only one? You're absolutely not the only one. For some reason, the idea of talking about Jesus is a daunting task to a whole lot of believers. But I want to encourage you in this, in this with, with, with two responses, Okay. First of all, I just want to very simply remind you that this is a temporary life and that we are a small blip on a very big radar. And that this life is short. And the reality, it's not just short for us. And we may go through some difficult things, do some difficult things, some difficult times here on this earth. But it's a very small blip on the radar for another person who doesn't know Jesus. That means that they have a small amount of time in which to hear and respond to the gospel. And so it's of the essence that we share with them the life that's found in God, in Jesus. But then secondly, I will tell you, it gets easier, I believe, with time and practice. So the more that you share Jesus with people, the more that, that you get comfortable with it. But I also would argue that the, more, the, the sweeter Jesus gets to you, the easier that it is. The more you commune with him, you spend time with him. All you're doing is sharing about what he has done in you and through you. Here's another argument that I hear sometimes. 
You know, I just don't know very many people who are unsaved. Um, and you know what? I'll be honest with you. We cannot have a true ministry of reconciliation unless we're among people who need to be reconciled. You say, well, I just don't travel in any circles where there's unsaved people. I'm going to be blunt with you and say, find a way, period. And there's all kinds of ways that you, can, that you can travel in circles where there's unsaved people, okay? You can join a gym, and as you're working out, just build relationships with other people that you see, and you just have conversations with them. Build a relationship. That's meeting someone who may be unsaved. Um, I mean, you could join a bingo club, okay? Sitting in a bingo club, I haven't been in very many bingo clubs, but I know what happens. You sit next to somebody and you play bingo. Well, strike up a conversation with them. You could, you could do something like just as you're, as you're in, in class, if you're a student, you're just striking up a conversation with somebody near you. Um, but get outside your context in some way and talk with people who don't look like you or think like you. Serve people who, who need to be served. But then here's another argument. Telling people about Jesus is the pastor's job. He'll take care of it, and I'll just keep serving in the church and writing checks to keep the church going. Um, and, you know, I, I, don't, I, I can't say that I've necessarily heard that out loud, but I wonder how many people actually believe that just by the way they live their lives. If this is your opinion, then I just hate to tell you, but you are flat wrong because the model that we see all throughout the early church shows us that this is an unbiblical view that has got to be destroyed. The casual Christian thinks that they're fulfilling their role as a believer by serving in the church and by writing checks and that the pastor is going to do the evangelism, the pastor is going to grow the church, but that is not the way that it works. If you are a Christian, then you have a ministry of reconciliation, an assignment of reconciliation. And I don't know what, what your argument might would be that would make you think that you as a believer don't have that ministry of reconciliation, but church, there is a whole lot at stake here. More than just simply a, a mistaken idea of your role as a believer, because God has entrusted to you, the God of the universe has entrusted to you the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry we have is that through us and in Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself, is what it says there. Paul continues in verse 19 by saying, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us, Christians, the message of reconciliation. So not only do we have the ministry of reconciliation or the task, the assignment of reconciliation, we also have the message of reconciliation. And here we see that we should speak our message. Speak our message. But what's the message we've been given? It's the good news the good news that Jesus stepped down into humanity and lived the perfect life that I was supposed to live. He died the death I deserved to die. He rose from the dead, giving me the life that I desperately needed. And that through Jesus, we are restored, we are reconciled with God the Father. That's the message we have. That's the good news here. We've been given all the resources and knowledge necessary with which to complete the task that God has given to us. We got that message or that ministry we got the message. So let's fulfill our role. Fulfill our role. And for this, I'm going to read verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. 
Therefore, so because of the responsibility we've been given as a new creation, because of the ministry of reconciliation we have, because of the message of good news that we've received, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Now, we know what an ambassador is, right? It's a, it's a, it's a representative from one country going to represent that country in another country. 1987, President Ronald Reagan appointed Jack Matlock, Jr., to be the ambassador to the Soviet Union. By the way, John, excuse me, Jack Matlock Jr. was born in Greensboro, North Carolina. He graduated from Duke University. He immersed himself in Soviet Union culture, learning language, learning anything and everything that he could about the Soviet Union. It's at the end of the Cold War, and, and Ronald Reagan is desperate to end the Cold War. So he sends Jack Matlock Jr. to be the ambassador from the United States to the Soviet Union because he knows that Jack Matlock Jr. can get the job done. Sure enough, Jack Matlock Jr. was crucial in ending the Soviet Union and the, the conflict that was constantly taking place there. Jack Matlock Jr. finished his job and he went into retirement knowing without a doubt that he had served his president well, that he had fulfilled the assignment his president had given him. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. What's the appeal? Come to me. Be reconciled to me. See the life that you can have. That's the appeal. We are ambassadors. We are message carriers for Christ. You know, when you're an ambassador, you have a responsibility to be a representative, to act and to speak in a way that reflects the views and the vision of the leader that you represent. And it is no different whatsoever for us as ambassadors of Jesus Verse 20, we implore you on behalf of Christ. This is the message, be reconciled to God. We implore you, we beg you. We've got this message from our commander in chief. We've got something great that has happened to us and, and we want you to experience what has happened to us. We beg you to be reconciled to God. How often do you implore, how often do you beg people to be reconciled to God? Verse 21, we see both the reward for us and the reward for those who receive this message of reconciliation. Verse 21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him, here it is, we might become the righteousness of God. It doesn't say we might look like the righteousness of God. It says we might become, we would become the righteousness of God. And in this, in this we see that we are to enjoy our reward. Enjoy our reward. Do you know what the righteousness of God means for us? We were created holy and perfect, and that's how God designed for us to be. That was God's initial plan. Sin threw all of that off. God's perfect plan of righteousness was, for, was, was interrupted. But all along, God's making this plan for his righteousness to be restored to man. And when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, God looks at us and he doesn't see our sin anymore. He doesn't see that we're cast off from him anymore. 
When we enter a relationship with Jesus, what God sees is Jesus' righteousness that is added to our account, and we can have that perfect relationship with God because of that righteousness that's now added to our account. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Talk about a reward. That's a reward. So in that righteousness, our lives are changed. Our thoughts are changed. Our actions are changed. Everything about us is changed by this righteousness that has been imparted to us by God. But, you know, a lot of times I feel like we enjoy the righteousness of God that's added to our account, but we forget that there's a lot of people who don't have that righteousness added to their account yet. And we live in such a way to where it just belongs to us, and it's for us only, and that's it. But, y'all, we're not fulfilling our responsibility, our assignment, as ministers of reconciliation who share the message of reconciliation with a lost and dying world. So we've got an assignment. It's the assignment of putting our hand to the plow, not looking back, moving forward, not letting up. We pursue the lost because Jesus pursued us. We love because Jesus loved us. We've got an assignment. Let's follow through well with that assignment. So then what I hope that you do is take what we talked about here this morning, and as you work through your experience in God's study this week, and you talk about God's will and the church, that you take this ministry of reconciliation with the message of reconciliation and you pray, God, how are you going to use me and our church in this? That's been my prayer as we lead up to today. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for making it so very clear to us about this ministry and this message of reconciliation. Father, thank you for the righteousness of Jesus that is added to our account where you, when you look at us as Christians, you don't view us in light of our sin, but rather you view us in light of the righteousness of Jesus. Father, thank you for that life that you give us. Father, now would we not just hold on to it, but would we be ambassadors who faithfully represent you to the world you have called us to, assigned us to, Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.